Welcome to SNAP, survivors of narcissistic and abusive personalities. This educational recovery podcast is presented by Claremont Mental Health and Mandy Friedman, licensed professional clinical counsellor. This presentation contains vital information for survivors of abuse. Topics include the spectrum of abusive personalities, targets of abuse, abusive relationships, and survivors in recovery. We hope this information helps you gain solid footing and clarity as you navigate your road to recovery. Mandy Friedman here, licensed professional clinical counselor, clinically certified domestic violence counselor, clinically certified trauma professional, the creator of SNAP, survivors of narcissistic and abusive personalities, and the owner of Claremont Mental Health. Oh, okay, you got it done. Hi, it's been a little while. I'm back with a video about the basics. What is narcissistic abuse? I feel it's important for us to define this term, especially now when I'm hearing some sort of whisperings of people who have narcissistic personality disorder or have been accused of being narcissistic are finding it offensive that we're using the term narcissistic abuse as if they personally are being attacked because the term has the word narcissistic in it. And furthermore, that they are neurodiverse and that narcissistic abuse and the concept of it is ableist. Can you believe this? Isn't this what happens? They hijack our narratives, <laughs> they hijack our recovery, um, they make it their own. Gosh, they love to control the narrative, don't they? Okay, well, I'm here to debunk all of that because the thing is, is that narcissistic abuse is a style of abuse used by all kinds of different people, institutions, groups, systems, uh, organizations. You can see the elements of narcissistic abuse happening on the world stage. You can see it in a, a, an employment situation where you're at work and perhaps there's a particular group of people at work um, and those people are using narcissistic abuse. Um, as like a bullying cliquish type of uh, style of abuse. So narcissistic abuse does not mean that it comes at the hands of someone who has been diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. That would be, because, yeah, they don't get diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. They do go to therapy. Um, that They do go to therapy, so that that's something, but um, you know, one of the reasons why people think that narcissistic personality or even antisocial personality is something that's very rare. You know, it's only just a very small percentage of the population. Well, those numbers are based on people who have been seeking treatment and have been diagnosed with these, uh, with these personality disorders. So the numbers are skewed, basically. Um, and any research that's done on psychopathic personalities often takes place in a prison where they've already been incarcerated uh, and we're not necessarily talking about the abusive psychopathic narcissistic types that are out walking around um, free to harm whoever they choose. If you'd like more information that is more real life information, um, 
Donna Anderson on lovefraud.com has recently uh, released a study and a book about senior sociopaths. And these are where we're getting the true stories of what goes on in those relationships comes from the mouths of the people who have endured the treatment, right? We can't trust the self-report of people who are fundamentally incapable of being honest with anyone or with themselves, right? So those pieces of information are kind of, eh. so there's a lot more people out there walking around than what you thought that have these tendencies, okay? And then what do they do? They work places, they work, they have jobs, they're in charge of people, they're part of systems and groups. And so this is what I mean when I say it's not just individuals, these individuals wind up organizing um, and making moves as a system together and they are using still the same type of um, narcissistic abuse techniques that individuals will use. For example, here's an example of gaslighting, right? One of the basic concepts. So, and again, politics aside, purely behavior. All we're talking about is behavior, not politics. Okay, keep that in mind. There was an incident where there was a group of people chanting something and it had to do with the president and they were saying, you know, screw you, so-and-so or something like this and they're like chanting it. And then I noticed there was these bumper stickers on people's cars where I live where it says, let's go Brandon or something. And I was asking, what is this let's go Brandon? What does it mean? Well, apparently the let's go Brandon, and you all correct me if I'm wrong, if I got the story wrong, I apologize. Just looking for examples of narcissistic abuse in groups and in systems, right? So, you know, they were saying, screw you, so-and-so. Um, and then somehow they decided that that's not what they said. What they said was, let's go Brandon. I don't know who Brandon even is. Um, that's gaslighting. And they have bumper stickers. So we're gaslighting as a group via bumper stickers. This is what I mean when I say that narcissistic abuse happens in groups and in systems, okay? Now, let's move on to the bigger topics that we can list as being the elements of narcissistic abuse. And don't worry, you don't have to write all this down um, or go back and watch the video again. Just go to our website. We have a whole section on narcissistic abuse and its definitions so that you can figure out if you are involved in something where this is going on, um, so you can identify it for yourself, or if maybe something from the past happened that still confuses you today, you might be able to make sense of it. All right, let's start at the top. What is narcissistic abuse? Again, it is a style of abuse used by narcissistic, manipulative, exploitative, parasitic, unwell individuals um, and they use this style of abuse to control the narrative, control their targets, to hide their own wrongdoings, to obfuscate, to confuse, to get away with things and to be able to do whatever they want to whomever they want. And all of these little techniques and games that they play have to do with them being able to just shape reality based on whatever they think it should be, not based on facts and truth. Facts and truth are actually kind of like kryptonite for narcissistic manipulative people. Facts and truth are what they're trying to avoid and they're trying to get you not to see the facts and truth. Okay, emotionally immature. 
Have you ever noticed that some people are just acting like babies in certain situations? You know, like you offer a tiny bit of criticism and boy, woo, you know, talk about snowflakes. <laughs> That's funny. Um, emotionally immature. So this person is emotionally underdeveloped. They often stop developing emotionally at some point in the course of their human development cycles or phases. And um, sometimes where it stops, is it 12 or five? And that's the behavior we see present days. It looks like a teenager. It looks like a toddler throwing a fit. Like, good grief, isn't this a grown person? So we know that the responses are emotionally immature. Um, they react like they're on the playground, you know? Um, yeah. All right, next we have malevolent creativity. This is the part that people have a really hard time believing, but it is true. <laughs> you have my word. I'm betting my house. I'm telling you it's true. There are people that have high levels of malevolent creativity. They are so um, capable and savvy and good at, you know, creating and concocting schemes, even in the moment. They're really good at remembering what's the narrative that I'm upholding and then doing behaviors to uh, manufacture evidence to uphold the narrative and then saying the right things to the right people at the right time um, and then making sure that they write that email at the right time um, so yeah, I mean they're just really good at manufacturing and orchestrating um, giant schemes that can wind up ruining people's lives in a lot of cases but when you try to tell somebody who doesn't understand these things hey here's what happened this person did this wild and crazy thing I know it sounds so hard to believe but I swear it's what happened and people are like mm, do people really do that maybe that's not what happened maybe it's a maybe you're confused you know maybe it was a misunderstanding um, because they just don't want to believe that humans are capable of being evil or being, you know, having, having ill intent and, and, and that they have intent to harm, that there's a sadistic quality to these individuals. They like to cause pain and confusion and hurt people. It makes them feel powerful. Um, okay, next we have parasitic. They are so parasitic, so parasitic. And in some cases, when I have new clients come in, it's like they're a host to many parasites, drained, you know, just a, a husk of a person, exhausted, um, feeling like the weight of the world. And, you know, if, if we can, you know, have a metaphor here, they are a, a host that has a bunch of leeches on them and it is draining their resources. And yet these leeches, the parasites, are their friends and family and their intimate partner. Bleeding them dry of their resources, time, energy, attention, emotion, money. Lots of stuff that parasitic individuals and systems and institutions will take from us. Um, parasitic workplace environments that treat employees as if they are not humans. Parasitic. Right, you know, like you, you're totally replaceable. We don't care about you as a person. Mental health isn't a thing. You're gonna be working 45 hours a week for barely any pay at all. And the health insurance is crap. And if you don't like it, get out. That's narcissistic abuse, essentially, because it's parasitic. We are, we have a people with money who are using people that are in a disadvantage financially and they are using them and bleeding them dry as much as humanly possible. 
Um, and if you are somebody who is in the class of the working poor and you've got three jobs and you know what that's like, you've experienced narcissistic abuse at the hands of corporations, um, business owners, people that want to have their third and fourth yacht while you are having to figure out how you're paying for your medications, um, while your kids don't get to have the things that they need. But the yachts, plenty of those, right? That is narcissistic abuse. Essentially, when you have starving people, people that are suffering, people that could sure use some help, and then you have a small group of people that they have, in a parasitic way, they take all the resources for themselves, right? Okay, parasitic. This could also be somebody who's sponging off an elderly parent. They're living in the basement of their elderly mother and, you know, demanding sandwiches and playing um, Call of Duty while grandma is, you know, um, 88 years old. And, you know, that is also parasitic. So you can be parasitic as an individual in a basement somewhere, or you can be parasitic as a corporation as you use and abuse. Parasitic. Next, exploitative. So what we mean by this is that they're gonna take advantage of opportunities, right? They're opportunists. They're gonna find a way to exploit people based on the, those individuals' vulnerabilities or weaknesses or points of entry. So that's that malevolent creativity kicking in, right? Where we are trying to figure out, hmm, who's a good target here? Uh, who's a high value target? Who's a low value target? And what am I willing to do in order to obtain this person's goodwill so that they then will do the things that I need them to do to advance my own agenda? Um, and just being very creative with how to do that. So for example, if someone knows that an individual is very, very kind and generous and they also happen to have financial resources, that would be exploitation that the person, the um, exploitative personality you know, gets closer to that individual on purpose because they know that there's a resource there that could potentially they could exploit. Um, for example, people who work with older adults and maybe, uh, you know, the older adult is trusting the individual during this transitional time of life of, you know, what do we do with our belongings at the end of life? And um, are, are we actually getting taken care of by the places that we're receiving our services from? Um, and so when someone is in like a weakened state or in a vulnerable state, that's when vultures show up. That's when exploitative types show up is when you might need help when you're in need. Um, often that's when they show themselves because they see that you're in a weakened state. That is exploitative in itself. Um, controlling, yeah, yeah, not all, you know, not all abusive types, narcissistic abuse using individuals are controlling. Sometimes they're just very even avoidant, you know, they're not really giving you what you need to feel stable or secure in the relationship, but at the same time, they're not like telling you what to do, right? So we have situations where there isn't a lot of ex control being exerted. Then we have the very controlling situations where, you can't dress the way you want to. You can't get your hair cut the way you want to. You can't bathe or groom yourself without there being some kind of comment or criticism. 
um, you know, that they control where you are, who you're with, how long you're there, what you talk about, what you do on your devices, um, you know, anything and everything they will want to control. And this could be a familial relationship, it could be an intimate partner relationship, but you'll know because you'll feel like that you constantly have to explain yourself and so you're always, no, I was in this place and the reason I was there was and I thought such and such but then I was wrong and so then I had to do this other thing and that's why and so I need you to know why so that you don't, right? So that it's like you feel like you have to constantly explain yourself, you're on the defense, you're always being accused of things and you're being accused of things in this very like sort of, I don't know, tone of contempt like, you know, mm-hmm, you know, so maybe they're not saying I think you're lying, I don't trust you, they'll say something like, sure, sure you were, mm-hmm. And then you're like, wait, what? What do you mean, sure I was? Like, are you saying that I wasn't there? I'm just saying that, you know, I'm not, I don't know what I think, you know, I'm just saying, I don't know. I'm like, oh, okay, so you don't know what? You don't know if I was where I said I was gonna be? Like, what do you, so it can be in these very like vague, murky ways too that you get ac accusatory tones and then you feel like, what? and like that you need to make sense of it. So then you engage with the person and that's what they want, right? They love to purposefully mischaracterize you so that you come back to try to correct that. <laughs> I would never do that kind of thing. That's not the kind of person I am. Okay, you just fell for it. It's a big giant trap. Dishonest? Uh, yeah. They're dishonest to the level that they believe their own lies. Um, I often describe it like this. Imagine that life, facts and truth, like what is observable, right? Like the picture like a stream of consciousness of, you know, what's actually happening around you as it's entering into your mind and being sort of like recorded in here. Narcissistic people, people that use narcissistic abuse, they want to control the narrative. And what they do is, is they take this stream you know, normally you and I would be like, okay, I want to see it accurately. I want to make sure that I understand. I want to make sure that there's clarity here. You know, so as things happen, we're like looking for the facts and truth and, and making sure that we're, you know, we get it right. What they do is the opposite. It's how can I shift and shape and twist this to make it what I want it to be before I ingest it and make it a part and internalize, internalize it and make it, you know, my story now. <laughs> yeah. That's essentially what it is. It's, oh, you know, the, no, actually it happened this way and it was this timing and the person said this and here's what I meant and here's what they meant and da 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 da, da and then it's all shit. And if you've had to try, if you've tried to have a conversation with someone like this, you know what I'm talking about. Because it's almost like you're, you want to go, wait, who are you talking to? Like, are you talking to me? Like, is there someone else in the room? Um, because they just say things that it's like, what? Um, yeah, so very dishonest. They are dishonest about, you know, the narratives of what is actually happening in the world and in their lives. They're dishonest with themselves, and you see this a lot, you know, where they're saying something, I'm the best at, I'm the best. Who are they saying that to? Well, a lot of it is they're saying it to themselves, or they want you to say it to them so that they feel good about themselves, right? They need that kind of, they're parasitic, right? They want to take all that stuff. It's like, mm, they lap it up. So they're not only dishonest with other people, they're dishonest fundamentally, meaning that they're, the way that they construct their world, the way that they navigate and maneuver in relationships, the way that they define themselves on the inside, it's all dishonest, every bit of it. So that's why, you know, when the relationship's over and you're thinking like, was it ever any, was it real? Like, 
did he mean or did she mean those things that she said? Like when things were good and and we were happy and I felt in love and I felt safe because there were times like that were okay, right? You know, it wasn't always terrible. But if you keep questioning yourself all the time because what they're saying doesn't make sense, right? Often you will put your own reality aside, what you know to be facts and truth, and you'll put that on a back burner and you'll accept and operate out of the reality of the abusive person because you have to, right? Now we have cognitive dissonance. Um, and we know that at the end of the relationship, when you're wondering, was it even real? Well, can it be real if it was based entirely on someone else's, you know, deep denial and psychosis and dishonesty with self? I don't know. Was it real? I, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no because it was concocted. It was created. It was manufactured, right? And then once we get settled in and we see the person as who they are, their true self, we don't want to believe it because we have all the previous experience that seems like it wasn't that bad or, right? But it was always there. It was always there. And they knew it was there the whole time. In fact, when they met you in the beginning, they knew what they were doing, right? It's hard to believe. Manipulative, that goes without saying. I mean, they will go to great lengths to be manipulative. They will manipulate from every angle. And there's under the, the heading of manipulation, we've got ways to manipulate. For example, triangulation. They're really good at triangulation where they're, you know, pulling in a third party or a third entity to, to somehow, you know, um, make their point or exert control. Um, they'll triangulate fictionally, um, so they'll make things up, um, or they will triangulate in a fact-based way where there's something that was said and done that is true. Um, so manipulation happens in so many different ways, but essentially the person is trying to do whatever they need to do to get you to do the thing that they want you to do without caring about your mental health or your well-being, with full knowledge of your history and the things that are close to your heart, you know, with full knowledge of, of who you are and what hurts you, um, they will use that information, they will weaponize that information and use it against you. Another thing that's hard to believe, remember malevolent creativity? Who would do that? Who would learn about your intimate self and then use it to harm you? Mm, these, these people, that's who. Uh, grandiosity. So grandiosity can exist in two directions. There can be grandiosity of victimhood and then there can be, of course, the grandiosity of that like overt um, narcissism where, you know, I am the best. I'm the best at. No one does it better than me, you know. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they are super famous, super rich, or they're super, um, you know, they're well known, right? They're really they're at the top of their profession. So they're name dropping. They like to drive fancy cars, right? Grandiosity of importance grandiosity of accomplishments, grandiosity of social connections, grandiosity of familial connections, you know, so they'll be bragging about their family that they treat like absolute garbage. Um, it, you know, they'll, oh yeah, my sons, they play ball too, and da, 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 da. they've never been to a game, they never brought them to practice, right? So again, you know, we're just manipulating and using whatever we feel like and creating a narrative that isn't based on fact and truth to even, you know, bolster up the person who's being grandiose, you know, so they're going to brag about things that aren't even real, 
or accomplishments of someone else that they know. Um, now, remember, grandiosity can happen in another direction, which is grandiosity of victimhood. And this is covert narcissism, which is for another time, but I do have a video on uh, YouTube about covert narcissism. Um, but covert narcissism has to do with being like a unique sufferer who um, their identity is wrapped up in their suffering. And narcissistic people will use overt narcissism and covert narcissism, sometimes, you know, alternating within a matter of minutes. Some use one version pretty much all the time. So somebody might be overtly narcissistic, um, you know, 90% of the time. And then when they don't get their way, that's when the victim comes out, you know. So then they're, you know, no, you know, they're not being fair to me. They're picking on me like no you just didn't do what you needed to do the criteria wasn't met and then you didn't get the thing well it's because they were picking on me and you know it's other people's fault like so that's the covert narcissism is what it's poor me poor baby everyone else you know um, is mistreating me and it's not my fault right so that's grandiosity of suffering grandiosity of victimhood and you'll notice with these individuals that when you try to help they treat it like you're robbing them of something, like you're robbing them of their suffering, like they cling to it. You don't know, you don't understand, that's not gonna help, nothing works. They don't have a choice, they have to, you know, they will make it seem like that it's on lockdown and that there's no solutions. Like, hmm, why'd you come to therapy then? Again, they do come to therapy. Okay, that's it for today. What is narcissistic abuse? I hope this clears some things up. If you'd like more information, go to our website. Have a good day. Bye. If you like this podcast, subscribe and leave us a review. Find Mandy Friedman, LPCC, CCDVC on YouTube and Facebook. Join the SNAP Survivors of Narcissistic and Abusive Personalities Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at the official SNAP. Thanks for listening.